0: Welcome to the Circularity Edge Podcast, where we discuss the latest news and perspectives on the circular economy and issues relating to social, environmental, and economic sustainability. Join us every week when we discuss what's needed to create a sustainable circular economy worldwide. Now, here is your host, Ken Alston. Hello and welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast. My name is Ken Alston and I've been working in and consulting two businesses on economic, environmental and social sustainability for over 30 years. For the past 19 years I've been teaching and implementing the design principles of what we now call the circular economy. Today I'll be talking about the origins of sustainable development, the industrial revolution and how we ended up being so unsustainable. And we'll begin to explore what the circular economy is and why it's now a topic that's getting a lot of attention worldwide. Now, first and foremost, I believe that all sustainability is ultimately local because places provide the context in which the sustainability agenda plays out. It doesn't really matter whether your product came from China, the US, Europe, or anywhere else in the world, for that matter. In the end, it's going to be in your locality wherever you are. For myself, I was born in Preston in Lancashire in the United Kingdom. And although most of you may never have heard of this place, it's actually pretty famous in the history of the Industrial Revolution because way back, more than 200 years before I was born, uh, Sir Richard Arkwright invented the spinning or the water frame back in 1775. Now this was important because it was the first time that we went from hand spinning of cotton to the mechanized spinning with using the uh, water wheel as the energy source to be able to mechanize this long-held traditional craft. And then when we invented the steam engine we added power and more mechanization and suddenly the industrial revolution was off and running and it's never stopped ever since. Back in 1987 the report Our Common Future from the World Commission on Environment and Development was published and it was in this report that the phrase sustainable development was first coined and this is defined as development that meets the needs of today without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. Now this is a good idea, a nice idea, and it's one that we bought into all over the world. But the problem with this definition is it doesn't tell you anything about how you're meant to go about doing it. And so for the last 32 years, we've been working our way towards what we now have as 17 Sustainable Development Goals that have been picked up by countries all over the world. But this has taken us 32 years just to get to these goal areas. We are painfully slow, and our idea of what sustainability is and how to get there is over-simplistic. Back in 1992 we had the first Rio Earth Summit and at that time the Swiss industrialist Stefan Schmidt Heine published a book on behalf of the business community called Changing Course and it was in this seminal book that the idea of eco-efficiency was introduced. Now eco-efficiency is all about doing more with less stuff. It's minimizing avoiding and reducing the bad environmental footprint. Now, these are all good things to do, but in and of themselves, they are not leading to us being good. Frankly, they're simply leading us to being, to us being less bad. And this is the main strategy that businesses have been following for the last 27 years. And the reality of what's driving this doing more with less agenda is simply cost savings. When you use less materials, it costs you less and therefore your expenses are less and your profitability is increased. And so any executive with financial responsibility is going to approve projects that are eco-efficient because they are using less materials and they're costing less money and making the company more profitable. And so for 27 years, businesses have got by by having an environmental agenda that's really an economic agenda that's being uh, dressed up as an environmental agenda. It's okay, it's allowable, it's the right thing to do, but it's only part of the story. So what have we ended up with at the end of this <coughs> couple hundred years of the Industrial Revolution? Well, we've ended up with an economic model which is unsustainable, and it's linear. We take materials from the earth, we make something from them, we sell it, Somebody buys it, we use it, whatever it is, the the product or the service, and then at the end of the time, it's just buried or burned. It's thrown away into a landfill, or it's incinerated. And as we've gone through the various stages of the Industrial Revolution, we've gone from powering with wood, and then coal, and now oil and gas, and of course the result is the massive increase in global warming because of the carbon dioxide that's building up in the atmosphere. And not only do we have this um, global environmental problem with global warming, but we also have an enormous waste generation problem. Everywhere I go, all around the world, there are mountains and mountains of waste that are having to be managed by the local community because of the commerce that's going on and the products that are being bought and sold and the packaging that's being used. And everything that's ending up just being thrown away. And it doesn't matter whether your product lasts five seconds, five minutes, five weeks, five months, or five years, or 55 years. At the end of the time that it's useful, it gets thrown away. And then we have to go back to the Earth and start all over again, put in more energy, use more materials. And we can't keep doing this with the size of population growing as it has to its current over 7 billion and on its way to 9 billion. It simply will not work, and now that everyone has access to the internet and can see what a developed um, (coughs) Western-style economic life looks like, everyone wants to aspire to at least to be a middle-class person. And if we all do that with the level of intensity of materials and energy that's being used certainly in the US, then we just won't be able to keep this up for very long. Now, when you look at things energetically, we're actually operating as if we're more than 200 billion people. Because if we only wanted to exist, then our bodies are actually very, very efficient from an energy perspective. And the natural human energy requirement is only about 100 watts a day. But the average of energy that we need per person across the world is about 3,000 watts. That's 30 times more than that 7.9 billion population I spoke about, which gets us to that figure of why we're operating as if we were actually more than 200 billion. And it's even worse than that because in the USA, we're even more profligate with the use of energy and we're needing 11,000 watts in the USA. So another three times more than on average everyone else in the world is using. This is simply unsustainable. Now I've visited islands in the Caribbean where their landfills are overflowing and literally the garbage is rolling over the edge of the cliffs and going into the sea. This is not a good image if you're an island that's requiring tourism to sustain your livelihoods on the island. And even worse, um, garbage dumps are growing and in some of these developing countries people are actually trying to eke out a living Kicking over the garbage and trying to earn a dollar or two a day from the bits and pieces they can scavenge. And this is no life for anyone. And just three years ago in Guatemala City, the largest garbage dump there collapsed. Leaving four people dead and 24 people missing. Simply because they're trying to eke out a living right at what we call the bottom of the pyramid. And this is not the way things should be, and we need to devise a much better way of operating the global economy. Now, one of the other problems with our (coughs) memes and our concepts is that we tend to oversimplify them so that we can uh, change people's perceptions and understanding and help people to learn an alternative way of looking at things. And this is okay because it's a place to start. But unfortunately, more often than not, we don't go any deeper and we don't really probe into the complexity, which is where we have to go if we're really going to fix things. Let me just give you an example. For example, when we talk about sustainabilities, often you'll hear people talk about the three E's: economy, environment, and equity. Or someone might say people, planet, profit as another way of looking at the main elements. This is okay. It gets you onto the first rung of learning, to think that there's more about uh, the world to to consider than just profitability. We've got to think about people, we've got to think about the planet as well. But just staying there with those three little elements isn't enough. And even when we talk about this idea of the linear economy, we talk about take, make, waste. Well, that's okay, because it gets you into the idea that we have a linear flow. But in reality, it's way more complicated. Let me give you an example. A few weeks ago, I was watching the Wimbledon tennis, and it reminded me of a study that was done at the University of Warwick in the UK uh, a few years ago. And they were plotting the journey of the creation, the making, of a tennis ball that went to Wimbledon. Now, 70 years ago, this would have actually been made completely in the UK. Materials would have been either locally sourced or imported into the UK, and then it was made locally. Today, with globalization, that tennis ball has 14 different um, elements of travel going on, back and forth from one country to another, to another, to another, to another. And overall, to make that tennis ball and to get it to Wimbledon in London, (coughs) there is a 50,070 mile journey required. So even something as simple as a tennis ball is a very complicated, multilinear, Um, event, not just a simple take-make-waste. And if you think then of expanding that from a simple tennis ball to literally everything else that we make and use in the world, you can see how complex and how convoluted all of these journeys are are, are as we uh, operate this global economy today. So the bottom line is we need to move away from this linear economy. We need a new paradigm, we need a new operating system, we need a new uh, business mechanism, and this is what we call the circular economy. Now, there is no single globally recognized definition of what the circular economy is. For example, a study a couple of years ago in Europe um, where a researcher... Uh, contacted 114 different practitioners in the circular economy, came up with 114 different definitions. And about a year ago, the World Business Council for Sustainable Development came up with a survey of its members, and the only thing that everyone agreed on unanimously was that it had something to do with materials. Some people thought it also needed energy considerations, others water, but none unanimously included all three. For myself, I would include all three, and I would say there are six critical elements of the circular economy. Materials for sure, energy for sure, because you can't do anything without moving it around and without inputting energy. Water is vital for life, and clean water is a human right, so we must keep the water clean. And I would add sustainability to the mix, because a circular economy isn't automatically sustainable you can certainly cycle things that were made from the wrong materials you can cycle them in the wrong way and you can do it in an unsustainable way and so we need to have a sustainable circular economy and we also need to move into thinking about positive end results and beneficial end results because so far almost everything everybody talks about and works on is just reducing the negative footprint when when you hear anybody talking about an environmental footprint they'll be talking, I guarantee it, about a negative footprint. We always assume the footprint is negative. But it doesn't have to be so. It can be positive. We can do things in a way that the world gets better because you're doing whatever that activity is. So we've actually been missing 50% of the agenda by only focusing on the less bad, the reductionist uh, doing less harm part. So for me, a sustainable... Circular Economy is one that's intentionally designed to create positive benefits. It's designed to create and sustain a restorative, regenerative and resilient outcome with positive beneficial results for everyone. It creates economic, environmental and social abundance from the land and the surrounding ocean, shared equitably for the benefit of all species. And it accomplishes this while safely cycling materials perpetually as technical and biological nutrients, powered by clean renewable energy, valuing clean water, and celebrating diversity. In a future podcast, we'll go into more details about this definition and we'll include more information about six primary circular business models. For now, this is Ken Alston signing off from the Circularity Edge podcast. You've been listening to the Circularity Edge podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at www.kenalston.com. Until next time, bye Circular.